Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, September 20th. The Feast of Tabernacles is nearly upon us. This year, the Feast of Tabernacles falls on September 23rd through September 30th. I hope and pray that you will join with your local fellowship group to keep this beautiful Feast of the Lord. We have been on a spiritual journey. It began with Passover, with our leaving the world, the world system, and coming out of the bondage of slavery to sin. We began a journey of following Yeshua and His Torah. Passover is a picture of salvation. We are saved by faith through grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 In His mercy and loving kindness, Yeshua took all the penalty of, his, of sin upon Himself when He died on the tree. Similarly, Yeshua in His mercy remembered the covenant He made with Abraham and raised up Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of their bondage and slavery. When they put the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, they were demonstrating faith and trust that the God of Israel would deliver them. This is a picture of salvation, thus beginning the spiritual journey. Next, we come to Mount Sinai at the time of Shavuot. It was there that Yeshua makes a wedding proposal to them and us. Here he tells us that if we will hear his voice and keep his commands, then I will make you to be a peculiar treasure, a set-apart people. Exodus 19.5 The Ten Commandments and all of the Torah is the Ketubah, the marriage covenant agreement. The house of Jacob, Yeshua's covenant family, said, I do, or yes, to the marriage proposal. Exodus 19.8 Sadly, it did not take long for them to break the covenant as they fell into spiritual adultery with the golden calf incident. Later, the golden calf incident happens again when Jeroboam leads a rebellion, spearheading a kingdom split, and leading the northern kingdom into golden calf worship of Again, 1 Kings 12. We continue the spiritual journey through the fall feast of Yom Teruah, the Days of Awe, a time of the awakening blast, a time and a call to examine ourselves and to repent for both personal and national repentance, a time for the bride to prepare herself for the bridegroom. Then we came to Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. The gate of heaven is now closed, Court is in session, and judgment is rendered from heaven. If we stand under the blood of Yeshua with a new heart, a heart of flesh, where the Torah is being written upon it, and we are seeking to follow Him and His Torah by the power of the Holy Spirit, then our name is found in the Book of Life. And now we arrive at Sukkot, or Feast of Tabernacles, in our journey. Sukkot is related and connected to completing the task and finishing the journey, where ultimately Yeshua will tabernacle with His people forever. As it is written in Revelation 21.3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Sukkot is a seven-day festival, as it is written in Leviticus 23, 39 and 40. 
Also, in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take with you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and the willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Sukkot is associated with the cloud of glory, as it is written in Exodus 13.21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them glory, to give them light to go by day and night. In keeping Passover, we put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of our heart. This is salvation. Then, in coming to Mount Sinai, Yeshua said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If we do this, then we enter into a marriage covenant with him, and we get to dwell with and Sukkot with Yeshua at Mount Zion, Jerusalem, when he returns to rule and reign during the Messianic era. Sukkot is associated with the cloud of glory being present. The tabernacle is the place of dwelling, where the glory of the Lord resides and rests. The glory of the Lord is a consuming fire. During the millennial reign of Yeshua, all nations will be required to send a representative to Jerusalem to keep Sukkot, as it is written in Zechariah 14, 16, and 17. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Feast of Tabernacles. Exodus 34, 1-26 Then the Lord told Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets that you smashed. Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, 
the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And he said, O Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people. But please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. The Lord replied, Listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. But listen carefully to everything I command you today. Then I will go ahead of you and drive out the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be very careful never to make a treaty with the people who live in the land where you are going. If you do, you will follow their evil ways and be trapped. Instead, you must break down their pagan altars, smash their sacred pillars, and cut down their Asherah poles. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. You must not make a treaty of any kind with the people living in the land. They lust after their gods, offering sacrifices to them. They will invite you to join them in their sacrificial meals, and you will go with them. Then you will accept their daughters, who sacrifice to other gods, as wives for your sons. And they will seduce your sons to commit adultery against me by worshipping other gods. You must not make any gods of molten metal for yourselves. You must celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast, just as I commanded you. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in early spring, in the month of Aviv, for that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. The firstborn of every animal belongs to me, including the firstborn males from your herds of cattle and your flocks of sheep and goats. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. No one may appear before me without an offering. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working even during the seasons of plowing and harvesting. You must celebrate the festival of harvest with the first crop of the wheat harvest and celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season. Three times each year every man in Israel must appear before the Sovereign, the Lord, the God of Israel. 
I will drive out the other nations ahead of you and expand your territory, so no one will covet and conquer your land while you appear before the Lord your God three times each year. You must not offer the blood of my sacrificial offerings together with any baked goods containing yeast, and none of the meat of the Passover sacrifice may be kept over until the next morning. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. You must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Isaiah 33, 10-36, But the Lord says, Now I will stand up. Now I will show my power and might. You Assyrians produce nothing but dry grass and stubble. Your own breath will turn to fire and consume you. Your people will be burned up completely, like thorn bushes cut down and tossed in a fire. Listen to what I have done, you nations far away, and you that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Jerusalem shake with fear. Terror seizes the godless. Who can live with this devouring fire, they cry. Who can survive this all-consuming fire? Those who are honest and fair, who refuse to profit by fraud, who stay far away from bribes, who refuse to listen to those who plot murder, who shut their eyes to all enticement to do wrong, these are the ones who will dwell on high. The rocks of the mountains will be their fortress. Food will be supplied to them, and they will have water in abundance. Your eyes will see the king in all his splendor, and you will see a land that stretches into the distance. You will think back to this time of terror, asking, Where are the Assyrian officers who counted our towers? Where are the bookkeepers who recorded the plunder taken from our fallen city? You will no longer see these fierce, violent people with their strange, unknown language. Instead, You will see Zion as a place of holy festivals. You will see Jerusalem, a city quiet and secure. It will be like a tent whose ropes are taut and whose stakes are firmly fixed. The Lord will be our mighty one. He will be like a wide river of protection that no enemy can cross, that no enemy ship can sail upon. For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He will care for us, and He will save us. The enemy's sails hang loose on broken masts with useless tackle. Their treasure will be divided by the people of God. Even the lame will take their share. The people of Israel will no longer say, We are sick and helpless, for the Lord will forgive their sins. Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words. For the Lord is enraged against the nations. His fury is against all their armies. He will completely destroy them, dooming them to slaughter. Their dead will be left unburied, and the stench of rotting bodies will fill the land. The mountains will flow with their blood. The heavens above will melt away and disappear like a rolled-up scroll. The stars will fall from the sky like withered leaves from a grapevine or shriveled figs from a fig tree. 
And when my sword has finished its work in the heavens, it will fall upon Edom, the nation I have marked for destruction. The sword of the Lord is drenched with blood and covered with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of rams prepared for sacrifice. Yes, the Lord will offer a sacrifice in the city of Basra. He will make a mighty slaughter in Edom. Even men as strong as wild oxen will die. The young men alongside the veterans. The land will be soaked with blood, and the soil enriched with fat. For it is the day of the Lord's revenge, the year when Edom will be paid back for all it did to Israel. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. This judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. The land will lie deserted from generation to generation. No one will live there anymore. It will be haunted by the desert owl and the screech owl, the great owl and the raven. For God will measure that land carefully. He will measure it for chaos and destruction. It will be called the land of nothing, and all its nobles will soon be gone. Thorns will overrun its palaces, nettles and thistles will grow in its forts. The ruins will become a haunt for jackals and a home for owls. Desert animals will mingle there with hyenas, their howls filling the night. Wild goats will bleat at one another among the ruins, and night creatures will come there to rest. There the owl will make her nest and lay her eggs. She will hatch her young and cover them with her wings, and the buzzards will come, each one with its mate. Search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. Not one of these birds and animals will be missing, and none will lack a mate. For the Lord has promised this, His Spirit will make it all come true. He has surveyed and divided the land and deeded it over to those creatures. They will possess it forever from generation to generation. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display His glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived and a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will only be for those who walk in God's ways. 
Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return to Jerusalem. They will enter Jerusalem with singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah and conquered them. Then the king of Assyria sent his chief of staff from Lachish with a huge army to confront King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. The Assyrians took up a position beside the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. These are the officials who went out to meet with them. Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian. Then the Assyrian king's chief of staff told them to give this message to Hezekiah. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? On Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, it will be like a reed that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. But perhaps you will say to me, We are trusting in the Lord our God. But isn't he the one who was insulted by Hezekiah? Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah and Jerusalem worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem? I'll tell you what, strike a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you two thousand horses if you can find that many men to ride on them. With your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops, even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers? What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, Attack this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Assyrian chief of staff, Please speak to us in Aramaic, for we understand it well. Don't speak in Hebrew, for the people on the wall will hear. But Sennacherib's chief of staff replied, Do you think my master sent this message only to you and your master? He wants all the people to hear it. For when we put this city under siege, they will suffer along with you. They will be so hungry and thirsty that they will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Then the chief of staff stood and shouted in Hebrew to the people on the wall, Listen to this message from the great king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you. Don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord by saying, The Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian king. Don't listen to Hezekiah. These are the terms the king of Assyria is offering. Make peace with me. Open the gates and come out. 
Then each of you can continue eating from your own grapevine and fig tree and drinking from your own well. Then I will arrange to take you to another land like this one, a land of grain and new wine, bread, and vineyards. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of any other nations ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? What happened to the gods of Hamath and Arpad? And what about the gods of Sepharvaim? Did any god rescue Samaria from my power? What god of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? But the people were silent and did not utter a word because Hezekiah had commanded them, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian, went back to Hezekiah. They tore their clothes in despair, and they went in to see the king and told him what the Assyrian chief of staff had said. Galatians 5, 13-26 For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole Torah can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the Torah of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, Yeshua, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another.
Psalm 64, 1-10 O God, listen to my complaint. Protect my life from my enemy's threats. Hide me from the plots of this evil mob, from this gang of wrongdoers. They sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their bitter words like arrows. They shoot from ambush at the innocent, attacking suddenly and fearlessly. They encourage each other to do evil and plan how to set their traps in secret. Who will ever notice, they ask. As they plot their crimes, they say, We have devised the perfect plan. Yes, the human heart and mind are cunning. But God himself will shoot them with his arrows, suddenly striking them down. Their own tongues will ruin them, and all who see them will shake their heads in scorn. Then everyone will be afraid. They will proclaim the mighty acts of God and realize all the amazing things he does. The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him. And those who do what is right will praise him. Proverbs 23.23 Get the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Today I want to speak to you from our reading from Isaiah chapter 35, and actually in 34 as well. And what we read in chapter 34 is God is planning to bring great judgment upon Edom. And I do believe that this judgment uh, that is being spoken of is what immediately precedes uh, the greater exodus, when all of God's people who are scattered throughout all the nations of the earth will be gathered in and uh, will return to the land of Israel. So, Let's take a look at this judgment. Verse, chapter 34, verse 8. For it is the day of the Lord's revenge, the year when Edom will be paid back for all it did to Israel. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. This judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. This smoke of its burning is also mentioned in another place by a different name. So the smoke of the burning is mentioned also in the book of Revelation. And there it's talking about Babylon, the end of days, daughter of Babylon. This is Revelation chapter 18. Verse 9, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. And also again in Revelation 18.18, And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? So I really believe that this end-of-days judgment that's happening to Edom, spoken of here in Isaiah 35, is the same judgment being spoken of in Revelation 18 about the harlot, the Babylon mystery harlot, uh, the city. So the streams of Edom are going to be filled with burning pitch. The judgment will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. And so there's this massive destruction and judgment upon Edom 
for all it did to Israel. Then in verse 16, Search the book of the Lord and see what he will do. That's good instruction. That's very good instruction. Search the book. Search the Bible. Search the Torah to see and understand what he will do. So when those events begin unfolding, you're not surprised. You knew it was coming. Okay, so then there's a flipping. We go from destruction of the land and desert animals and hyenas will be in a place and thorns are going to overrun palaces and the ruins will become a haunt for jackals. Okay, but then it flips. And it goes on to say, The Lord has promised His Spirit will make it all come true. Verse 17, He has surveyed and divided the land and deeded it over to those creatures. They will possess it forever. Now we're into chapter 35. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. Now again, any time you see the phrase, in that day, or in those days, it's talking about the Great Tribulation. It's talking about the final three and a half year period, the 1260 days, that time frame, because that's when a lot of these things begin to happen is in that time frame. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. There's going to be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 3. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. This is a direct reference to the second coming of Yeshua, our Messiah. Okay, so this is talking about that time when Yeshua returns. And what is he going to do? He's going to gather in the exiles of Israel, all of God's people from both the northern and the southern kingdom, all 12 tribes, Jews and non-Jews. And he's going to gather them in and lead them on a journey back to Israel. Verse 5, and when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Didn't Yeshua do that? On his first coming, he did many miracles. He was all about healing people. He was all about casting out devils and demons. The lame will leak like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. Now here's a divine reversal, that all the land that is desolate and desert and arid and wasteland will green up again, and streams will gush forth. It's a a divine reversal. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Verse 8. A great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will only be for those who walk in God's ways. That's an important thing. If we want to be part of this great company of people that are led cloud by day and pillar of fire by night, home, back home to Israel, we have to be people who walk in God's ways. We have to be people who follow the Torah, all of it. 
from Genesis to Revelation. How? By the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's the entrance ticket home, is follow the Torah, obey the Torah by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any ferocious beasts. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. Where are they returning to? This is talking about a journey. This is talking about them walking on a highway of holiness. And where are they going? They will return and they will enter Jerusalem, singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will flee away, and they will be filled with joy and everlasting gladness. This is a snapshot of the greater exodus. This is a picture being painted for us of the greater exodus to come, that it is coming. And it says, verse 4, let me remind you, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God, Yeshua, is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Now, the Israel Bible commentary to the verse, uh, verse 10. Let's just read that verse, and then I want to read the commentary. It's very good. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come with shouting to Zion to Jerusalem, crowned with joy everlasting. They shall attain joy and gladness, and sorrow and suffering will flee away. So the commentary to that verse reads as follows. Hebrew language includes many words used to describe various forms of happiness. According to former British Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the term osher refers to a type of personal happiness that one experiences when engaging in an activity such as listening to music or observing something spectacular in nature. Simcha, on the other hand, is a type of happiness that is created in the company of others, such as when celebrating a wedding or laughing as a family. In this verse, Isaiah promises that the ransomed of the Lord will return with everlasting joy Simkat Olam, upon their heads. The Simcha, the shared joy of the redemption of the nation, returning to the Lord and to the Holy Land, will last forever. So, a gentle reminder. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners. We are just passing through. So wherever you are, wherever you live, where, whether you're in Europe or South America, Canada, the U.S., this is temporary. We are pilgrims passing through. This is not our permanent abode. Our permanent abode is home in Israel. When Yeshua returns and he rules and reigns for 1,000 years, we will dwell with him. If we are part of his bride, we will dwell with him in Jerusalem. So this is temporary. So don't get too comfortable here, because this is temporary. We are pilgrims, and there's a journey ahead for us. Get ready for that incredible and amazing journey. Our God will come. Yeshua will come and he will save us. Have a blessed day.